Hi everyone, Anlon Natsia from Panda. We're here today at Pressure Point and I've got a special guest. Uh, she is a CHRO nominee and most recently a VP of People at Mikosi. Uh, big welcome to Cindy Boyda. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thanks so much for being here. It's great I, being here. <laughs> I think where we start is with your story. I think, you know, we were chatting earlier and I think having that context will just make this conversation so much more valuable for everyone. So over to you. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, and thanks for having me today. This is, this is really exciting. Um, my story, it feels like a, yeah, it's, a, it's like starting from a comedy, turning into a drama. <laughs> um, here we are now. So um, I started my journey um, by studying marketing. Um, Landed my first opportunity in a recruitment consultant um, or a recruitment agency where I had an opportunity to meet a lot of people and connect them with, um, you know, their dream jobs. Um, that, was, that was really exciting, especially the commission earning part <laughs> of it. Um, but then, you know, I quickly grew into wondering what is happening with all of these people. Um, and I was really, really fortunate to, to land an opportunity with um, EY at that stage. Uh, they were one of my biggest clients. Um, joined the internal recruitment team, uh, recruited for predominantly audit and uh, the advisory side. Um, and then that lasted for nearly a year or just over. Um, and then the hunger in me, the curiosity again started. Like, what's happening with all of this talent Like after we bring them in? Where do they go? What do they do? What do they accomplish? Um, you know, we solve the dream. Are they really accomplishing that dream? Um, and what are we doing to support them? So again, EY afforded me the opportunity to go into HR and, and to like explore the HR world, uh, which is really, really exciting. Um, I took a bit of a break when I was at EY. I had um, both my children, uh, so I became a, a mommy during that stage as well. And um, throughout the journey at EY, um, I, I really had the opportunity just to work from, like I said, from the recruitment space, the HR space, across the board, across the board um, went into the forensics department to assist them at some stage as well. Oh. And, you know, that was really just fulfilling. Um, I then got an opportunity to join the British Council. So, um, which is a 360 degree change. No more CAs. Okay. <laughs> so, um, together with the team at the British Council, we looked after 21 countries sure. um, in Africa. And it was an absolute impactful experience, to say the least. Um, you know, the exposure to different cultures, that diversity. And I think I shared it with you earlier. Like, the one thing that I'll always re remember about that journey is how diversity can lead to unity. Um, and that was definitely one of the, the biggest things that, you know, I'll take away from, from the British Council and my time there. Um, had an absolutely amazing time there, absolutely amazing team. Um, and then I got a, a, a random phone call, a random message uh, from one of, actually funny story, one of the trainees that I used to work with at, at EY. And he had joined an organization called Makosi and um, wanted to understand, you know, like, where am I in my career? 
what's what's the next step? Would I be open to having conversations with, with the CEO and going through a process? I was like, well, okay. Um, I really believe that, you know, everything happens, a reason and a season. So I jumped into it um, and just embraced the opportunity just to connect, right? We always, like for me, one of the big things, working with people, engaging with people, it's always really crucial just to like take every opportunity to, to engage and to learn from each other. So um, I was really open to having a conversation with, with the CEO, Darren Isaacs, and um, immediately afterwards, I remember it very vividly, like after that conversation with Darren, I was like, wow, um, so, so exciting to see how people are deliberately wanting to make an impact and make an improvement, um, specifically in industries, you know, that is attractive to me as well. So I joined Macozy, it was in 2021, and I joined as head of people, and it was an absolute roller coaster journey. Okay, um, and it felt like sometimes I was riding that roller coaster without, you know, uh, safety. The the safety lock on. It was more maybe of a parachute um, at that stage. Um, so yeah, I joined them 2021 and went through this rapid growth experience. Yeah. So, so I'm just going to pause you there because I want to chat a lot about Mikozy. But before we get into that, I think what's clear is that, you know, passion for people is what mm. drew you to HR. And I just wanted to really pick up on your, your point around the British Council because I think it's powerful yeah. and it's something that people preach. But I don't think they've lived it in the way that you've lived it and, you know, that diversity. Yeah. Um, building unity, but that's not always an easy thing to get no. right. Again, I think organizations preach it, but we'd just love to you know, share a bit more for our listeners about that. How do you manage to do that? How do you get that right? How do you yeah. allow people to be authentic, but different and make the, you know, the whole better than the sum of the parts? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, taking a step back, okay, it's called, it's called HR for a reason. Okay, so let's let's maybe look at that HR, human, and then resources. Yeah. Okay, so by virtue of that, we can agree that we are all human first. Okay, we we all carry a burden. We all have a story to tell. Um, we all have an experience to share. We all bring something unique. So I think, you know, as organisations, we we really want to drive diversity and create inclusivity okay but like you said it's not easy because I want something you want something we all want something different but yet you know we are we've got this like shared purpose that we have to achieve so how do you build a culture where you know you bring everything that is different together as one and I'll openly say like my thought my like understanding of diversity and inclusion um, you know, I had a great picture until I joined the British Council and I realized, wow, I've got so much to learn. And f at first it was overwhelming. Like I doubted myself. I was like, wow, I have so much to learn. But then if you look at it, it's like it's an opportunity. You know, it's like it's there for you. It should be, wow, I've got so much to learn. It should be something exciting. And I think like, you know, when you are exposed to that, how do you bring it back? How do you share it? How do you, 
I think, um, you know, in one of our earlier conversations, I said to you, like, how do you take a policy and a process and you apply it or you make it work, but keeping in mind that there is so many different cultures, so many different beliefs, so many different, like, you know, languages. So how do you take something that is process driven and make it relevant across the board for everyone? And um, it's not an easy task. And, and HR professionals can't do it alone. You have to get the buy-in from the people. You have to get the buy-in from the business. And you have to acknowledge where you win. And you have to acknowledge where you fail. And you have to do so openly so that everyone can buy into it. So I think um, maybe it's not the best advice, but that's the advice that has worked for me. It's like together with your people and your organization, you build. You build that sense of unity together with all of the differences. Yeah, so I think it comes down to leading with heart, right? And yes. Remembering people are people, not... Absolutely, persons. absolutely. Okay, great, and mm. I think it's a great segue to your life at Mikosi and the rocket ship or roller coaster yes. that's been over the last few years. So maybe just paint that picture for people because I think the, the organization that you joined and the organization that you are recently leaving are, are two very different organizations. So maybe paint that picture. What was it like when you joined back in 2021? So um, when I joined back in 2021, um, rough numbers, you know, we were quite a, a small internal team. Um, we had roughly just under 300 consultants. And, um, you know, it was, it was really from a purpose-driven perspective, like, you know, the strategy, the objective has always been clear. Um, the impact that, that Darren, the CEO, had envisioned that he wanted to enable the industry, enable the profession, right? That has always been very, very clear. And I think that was, that was really critical, um, especially throughout growth stages. You tend to lose focus on what are we driving? What are we working towards? And the one thing throughout Makosi's journey is like that has always been clear. Um, you know, so that purpose-driven objective was always, always clear, that clarity around that. Um, I think, you know, starting as a relatively smaller internal team and then very quickly growing to over 100 people internally, over 150 people internally, it felt to me like it happened overnight, okay? Um, together with the consultants as well, like I just said, just under 300 and then very quickly, I remember our intake December 21, January 2022, you know, our onboarding, it's like it had 1,500 people. It was yeah. absolutely insane. It was exhilarating. Like the adrenaline was pumping, you know, it was a journey in itself. I, I compared it to a roller coaster, but it's more, definitely more than a, a rocket ship experience, yes. Yeah, that, that's mm. amazing. So there are a lot of points I want to double down on. I think the first is this, you know, that concept, which sounds like Mikosi got right through this journey around how do you make sure that those, you know, consultants coming in, that internal team coming in, that are growing in a hyper growth environment where I'm sure expectation was very high, that there was still alignment to the mission. So no matter what your day-to-day -day looked like, you weren't part of, you know, an individual operating in a silo, you were part yeah. of this bigger organization moving towards a mission. How do you think you got that right? You know, how did you instill that culture across the organization? 
So I think a few things. I think that the the leadership team has always had a vested interest um, in terms of the objective that it wants to achieve and to drive. And I believe that is still something that has been consistent up to this day. Um, and that is really something that, that organizations and employees such as myself take for granted. Um, you know, that behind the scenes work of, okay, where are we going? Why are we going? That clarity. Without clarity, everyone can just be running in, you know, a million directions, um, including myself. Um, I do have a bit of that uh, shiny object syndrome and I want to bring in everything and I want to change everything. And you do need, you know, leaders with that clarity of where are we going and why are we going there to bring everything together, you know, to bring everything again just to that sense of purpose. Why are we doing this, guys? Okay. Um, why, where are we at the moment? Where are we working towards? That small steps, small wins that you need to celebrate just to keep that momentum going. So I think the one thing is that absolute, it was absolutely critical is that investment from a leadership perspective, but that sense of clarity. Um, that gave me the clarity that I had to drive within my team or throughout the people strategy at that stage. Um, and I do believe without that, you know, it would not have been a success. So the buy-in from leadership is absolutely great. Clearly it filtered down across yeah. the organization. So I think a big part of that's obviously that, that onboarding at scale. I mean, you've got 1,500 people. I mean, that's crazy. A uh, short period of time, got to get them up to speed quickly. You got to get them bought into the culture, the ethos, the work ethic, yeah. the way of doing things. I guess, how did you make that happen? So I would love to take credit for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I think that, you know, Mikozi's value proposition and the structure is absolutely, it just absolutely caters for that, for every single part of the journey. Um, the talent acquisition side, the leader they're, they're in at that stage had a very defined strategy in terms of like how to attract the best talent in the market. And once we have them, you know, how do we enable, how do we engage and how do we grow them? So there were different strategies throughout the journey of, of Mikozi. So I specifically came in like the journey. How do we engage? How, how do we give you a tangible culture, make you... Um, experience that sense of belonging whilst growing and keeping in mind like all of our employees are working from from home or remote yeah, okay terrible, yeah. so like how do you create this tangible culture give this exhilarating experience enable growth by doing so while we are not sharing an office so you know attracting the best talent we had an exceptional leader doing that growing the talent, engaging the talent, and then, you know, they're often in terms of like, what is the next? So also when they are at clients, you know, how do we continue engaging? How do we make sure that you deliver? Because we absolutely had the most, yeah, top-notch, um, you know, talent out there. So throughout the structure of Mikozi, we had intentionally um, focus points of like every step of the journey of a consultant to keep them engaged, to keep them challenged, um, to encourage them, to keep that curiosity going as well. And I really believe like that made the tangible culture that they had experienced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's clearly saying that you got right, not, not an easy one in that remote no. environment. And I mean, just touching on the remote environment, because obviously that, mm. you know, 
onboarding 1,500 people complex in itself, onboarding 1,500 people and ensuring that they're performing optimally in a remote environment, even more complex. But like clearly what, what's clear, speaking to you, you know, knowing the organization is there's a strong culture. So how, and I think part of culture is relationship. And it's obviously possible, and I think testament to Makosi that you've done it. How do you build those relationships in that remote environment? I think that um, <clears throat> one of the things that will always, always stand with me, one of the biggest learning curves for myself, I mean, at a professional and a personal level was, you know, your point of like building those relationships, but possibly not getting an opportunity to do so face to face. And how do you build authentic relationships? Okay, because it's easy to put a PowerPoint slide on. Okay, I can read from the slides and we can all learn from the slides. But how do you take that into, you know, actual, something tangible? How do you listen to the feedback and give feedback on what you have just heard? Um, so I think, that, again, intentionally wanting to build a relationship on an ongoing matter or an ongoing basis that is really the key like intentionally making time to understand what is happening with your employees with the teams with projects with deadlines um, that is really really critical so i believe again from the first day that i joined uh darren the ceo made it very clear like people are at the heart of this organization and the one thing that i learned is that you know no business can exist without people, okay? So equally as important as a business strategy, so is the people strategy. If you want to build a sustainable business, how do you build a sustainable people strategy that will enable that business? So again, just coming back to, you know, the culture and how we really wanted to create like that tangible culture is, you know, celebrating the successes, but also communicating where you failed and owning up, and that's not always easy. Um, I, I know that, you know, some of the, the Makosi people will tell you that I always wear leopard print. So I got this, like, I got known for, for being <laughs> in leopard print uh, t-shirts or like always, yeah. always, okay. Um, but like, I made a joke with Darren always, and I always say, used to say like, if we are jumping on a call with the consultants, we had this amazing, um, it's like when you bring all of the consultants together, uh, the, the call was called or the meeting was called a sikulume, which means come, let's talk. Um, but I always used to wear black or dark colors because it got those conversations could get very real, very fast. And, uh, you know, we had this one rule of like, be vulnerable. If you don't know the answer, like, you know, say, I don't know the answer. Or if you've made a mistake, like this is your opportunity to say, you know, dear over a thousand consultants, I've messed up, but I'm also only human, but I need you to give me a chance to fix it. Um, and I don't think that is a culture that number one, we are used to seeing in an organization. Okay. So senior leadership saying, guys, we've messed up, might have used other words, but like, give me the opportunity to fix it, but I'm going to need your help. So we're not used to that culture. We're not used to operating in an environment that, like that. Um, and that really creates that sense of like purpose, belonging, but that sense of motivation that, you know what, yes, I will actually help you leadership. Like I buy into this now, so you've got my commitment. And that is where the magic happens. Yeah. 
I think again, what what really comes through clear clearly is you know that need to just be human and authentic and be vulnerable, yep. and that you know trickle down from the, the top down. If you believe it and do so in an authentic manner, then the organization lives it. Um, I mean, something that we touched on, and I think you've alluded to it. It's a high pressure environment. It's a remote environment. Mm -hmm. You're expecting a lot from people, right? And you know, things don't always, it's not always smooth sailing. How, like, you know, how did you support people to ensure that they, you know, could perform at that optimal level? And how did you support them and give them that moment to pause if, if mm. they needed it? So that's a loaded question. Um, I think like, you know, having your finger on the pulse and, and that can mean a lot of things. Okay, so firstly, having my finger on my own pulse, understanding, you know, where are my shortfalls, okay? So we, we talk about like putting boundaries in place and I'll be very open and honest, like sometimes my boundary walls can be a little bit blurry, um, but when I do break those boundaries, I know that I, I need to hold myself accountable, okay? So um, also understanding that working remotely, you know, some of the team members might be parents, might be traveling or whatever the setup is. So um, being very open and honest to say that, guys, you know, between this time and this time, I'm fetching my kids or I'm going to be next to the rugby field or the netball court. And between this time and this time, I'm doing homework. So, yes, I am working at night, but I'm not expecting you to, to reply. Um, so setting my boundaries, but also communicating my expectations and creating again that culture where to say, okay, I've shared mine, so please share yours. And where do we meet in the middle? Okay. Um, I need to run in the mornings. I'm quite an active person. If I don't run, I know I can't bring my best. So please don't set up a meeting before nine o'clock team. Okay, because you're not going to get the best out of me because it means that I'm going to have to rush my morning routine. But that also doesn't work for everyone. There might be early birds in the team. So how do you make that compromise? Um, so I think, again, taking a step back, understanding like what works for you, what works for me in like meeting in the middle. And that is possible. It is definitely possible. I know you know, there might be a lot of people rolling their eyes to say, look, my team is like 35, how is that possible? It is possible. There is some, if we can get 50 people in one meeting, I can guarantee you can make it work, you know, meeting people at random times as a team as well. So getting to understand like what is the different setup and what will work for everyone so that we have clarity on what we need to achieve by when. So that's that's the first thing. I don't know if that answers no, no, your it question. It's a, it's a simple one, right? It it's sounds obvious. One. It's communication, right? It's but we just don't do it. And you don't I manage feel. expectation. You don't tell people what you need. Um, but yeah, it's so simple. It is. And I think that maybe the downfall is that it's easy to communicate your expectation. Okay. But are we always receptive of hearing it back? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the it's key point. It's not what I want to hear. Yeah. Okay, yeah. like, no, I can't meet you at one o'clock because, like, I need to fetch my kids. Okay, but, okay, but, so how do we compromise? So, you know, and communicate. And I've had to learn that at some stages I've been a bad communicator. Like, I was bad at communicating um, and negotiating, to be honest, you know. So how do you build the courage to say, 
okay, guys, like I really tried this, but it's really disruptive. I cannot do it. And this is the reason. And how do you bring it forward to say like, for me to be my best and to bring my best, like this is what I would love to achieve and how. So again, like just coming together and like just bashing it out. Yeah, no, I think it's again, practical, it's implementable and we just need to do more of it. Um, I think another point that you touch on is, I don't know, this concept of balance, right? I think, you know, mm -hmm. it sounds like just hearing you, right? Like you've got balance, you make time to run, you make time for family, you support your kids within the sports field, but you still work hard, right? Mm -hmm. You've got that, that outlet, you've got that variety and you, you find time for yourself. And I think it's also that concept of, you know, like the, the airplane analogy around putting on your oxygen mask before you try and help those around you. You've got to mm -hmm. do that as well. Um, something else, though, that you, you touched on is having your pulse on the organization. Um, easier to do if you're a smaller team, easier to do if you're in the office with people. Uh, both those things were not true in your case. Hmm. So how do you keep your finger on the pulse? That's, that's a really great question. I think that, I think my first, like, you know, response is going to be like survey. Okay, but then I've, I'm thinking in my head, like, everyone is, like, everyone's got survey fatigue, okay, um, and rightfully so. But for me, that the one thing that really, really worked was um, different surveys and how do we get information? How do you get that feedback from, from employees? And how do you get, how do you start being creative in, in the way in which you get that feedback? So I spoke about Asikalume. Um, where we had different leaders join the call and we gave feedback. Um, the so was one, this like really like open town hall? Anyone can open town hall. So we had, we had quarterly town halls. Um, Asikilume, what we had asked some of the consultants, well, Rockstar consultants beforehand is like, share your questions, okay, and we'll address them. So if you get like 100 questions, you soon realize what is the theme of the question. So what we then did is like we, we consolidated some of the questions into themes and we gave feedback throughout those, those themes. But the magic about a Sikilume was like it's live, firstly, which again, hashtag wear dark colors, <laughs> sweating bullets. Um, and then, you know, like secondly, we were open and vulnerable to say like, okay, great, live questions. And, you know, people had the liberty to say, you guys just ignored my question. <laughs> which I had submitted, thank you, but let me ask it now. Um, so I think, you know, giving people that opportunity in terms of, for an organization, that is the listening strategy that you have to drive or that you need to drive, okay? Big difference between listening and hearing. Like you can hear the voice of your employees, but to active listen, you know, that, that, is, that is really something that you have to like intentionally build. Um, and that is the one part. That's the easy part. You can definitely listen and get all of the questions and you know, the feedback. What are you doing with it? And how do you take your employees or your team or like your leadership through, like how do you take them along their journey? This is what you guys have highlighted or asked. This is where we started. Like, and this is the journey that we are going to be embarking on and hold us accountable. Like, this is our commitment. 
but hold us accountable. So, you know, it's again, it's being vulnerable. It's it's sometimes overwhelming and it's it's a bit scary, okay? Because anything can happen. But like having your employees, having your team members like supporting you and believing in you throughout that journey, that's absolutely magical. Yeah. And I think it comes down to trust, right? They wouldn't believe in you. They didn't trust you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think just again to pick up on what you've said, I think you know the listening is critically important, and you know making sure people are heard. I don't think that necessarily always means you need to agree. Yes. But if you don't agree, then you need to communicate your reasons for not agreeing, or explain why you know they asked for you know Nando's on a Monday, and it's not Nando's on a Monday. Mm. What's the reason for that? You know, just explaining your, your, your thought process or the conversation happens behind closed doors yeah. and it happens for a reason, providing some level of context to employees so they feel that they were consulted or at least included in some way in that discussion. It is. And um, <clears throat> I think, look, I'll, I'll forever be grateful to Darren... Um, Lindsay, who Lindsay Gull, who recently joined the Makosi team um, as CPO as well. Like, I've had to continuously learn that there's, you know, different layers of communication. And what I mean by that is like, you know, it's not to say that if you agree something internally, you know, in a meeting, that you can just take it as it is. Like, there's there's steps of like communicating it over and over again so that everyone is aware, okay? And I think like that is really critical. Where there's a gap in communication, that gap gets bigger in your strategy. It, that is simply put, you know, the biggest risk for any organization. When employees feel that, you know, communication is happening behind closed doors, it creates that level of like uncertainty, anxiety, which then leads to pressure points, right? And distress, which impacts like well-being, health, sick leave. It like it's it becomes this vicious circle. Rather communicate, like address the unknown, address the anxiety. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn because it's not always, you know, not a lot of corporates operate in that way. Yeah. Yeah, well it sounds like there's a unique culture and there was, you know, the the special ingredient mm. there to, you know, make sure the rocket ship could achieve what it could. And Definitely. I think testament to the hard work of, of you, your teams, and I think it comes down to the pillars of really communication, trust, and authenticity. I think yeah. it's really clear speaking to you and hearing that come through. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really appreciate the time. It's been great chatting. It's flown by. Uh, a big thank you to Cindy for joining us today. Um, I think so much to learn from. Uh, you know, if they've done it in an organization, growing at that scale, um, being remote in probably coming off the back of the, the pandemic in 2021 as well, then I think communication is something that we can all take back to our own organizations. And it's clear the impact from strong communication, building trust and communicating in a way that's authentic, you know, has a business benefit. So prioritize that. Uh, listen to yourself, listen to your own pulse, listen to your employees and build together because I think you're not going to mm. build it on your own. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank Great. you.